Uncle. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Today, I am the late one. You are the late one. That's true. So you get one stamp on your frequent flyer card, and after 10 stamps, you get to be late one time without me giving you shit. Oh, okay. Wow. That's generous. Thank you. Yeah, no one's ever filled out a card before, but maybe you'll be the first. Oh, hello, Hava. How are you? I'm, well, you know, sassy, footloose, and fancy-free. I'm good. I'm having a good day so far. I need to water my plants. I got caught up doing dishes. That's why I was late to record this podcast. Like you were zenned out in the dishes? Yeah, and just like I, it's, I get into... The optimum situation for me washing dishes is when I get into the one more dish mode. I'm like, if I just get one more, then I can get this sink empty. If I just get, oh, just this one over here that was on the counter. That way I get like the most dishes done possible because I never want to do dishes. Um, so it's better to ride the wave, you know, when I can. Do you listen to podcasts while you do dishes? In this case, I had Netflix on. But yeah, I, have, I usually have something on. I love a good podcast while I'm doing dishes. I know. I just don't like the dish part. <laughs> you have to get into like the way of it all. You know what I mean? Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. I did get into the way and that's why I was late okay, to record. Well, that's a good reason to be late. Yeah, but things are things are going good and, and cozy today here in, in the neighborhood of me and my new apartment. How are you, Mackle? How am I? Well... I am just fine and dandy. We had a, a bit of a snafu with a, oh. a delivery to the house. The driver oh, was too scared to go down our gravel driveway. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, what they were delivering was a pallet with a wood splitter on it. Oh, the wood splitter strikes again. Or doesn't strike again. Well, it does strike. It struck for the first time yesterday. I took a little video of it. I'll, I'll, wow. I'll send it to you. So, yeah, I ordered a, an electric wood splitter. It's like a big one. And it came to the house to split all of our wow. wood and stuff. Well, you know what they say about people with big wood splitters. Oh. Ooh. Big wood. Oh, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Actually, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, I'm so fucking funny. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> listen, I brought something really fun today. Okay, so what do you right. say we just get you into it? Get into it's, it? Yeah, it's just a fun, it's a fun story. I think it's going to be a two-parter. Like, we'll do this story this week, and then some other week we'll do part two of this This tale of woe and drama oh all right well okay okay well first check out the video i sent you okay if it's uh, gotta watch this video of michael splitting his wood oh yes it's loading come on wow yeah pretty neat that's huh? terrifying isn't that great <laughs> yes it, i just i don't know how i thought it would work but it wasn't like that it's just like a machine that pushes the wood really strongly yes. <laughs> against a wedge until it breaks yeah it's it's a little terrifying but it's like if humans had infinite strength it's something we could accomplish ourselves just by like shoving <laughs> i could totally see you getting into using it getting into yeah. the way the way of the wood you know looks like a really efficient can opener oh yeah yeah totally or like one of those things people crush stuff with in like ASMR or like those videos, you know, of people crushing various things for TikTok. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar. Let's jump into it. Okay, we're getting into the the demon territory. We're going to Gitine 68A. So those of you who listen to 
a podcast that I think is not active anymore called Throwing Shade, whose episodes are still wonderful about Jewish demonology, will recognize some parts of this story. But we're going to be talking about King Ashmedai, the king of the demons, and some of his adventures with King Solomon. And I heard part of this story on Throwing Shade, and then I went to look at it today, and there were like all these other super weird parts that don't fit elegantly into a single podcast episode. And our podcast is like a hot dog in that it's made up of all the weird parts of other podcasts that didn't fit into their episodes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, or maybe all the other weird parts of the Talmud that didn't make it into the, the normal Talmud. Anyway... So we're on getting 68a and they've been droshing some verses from Ecclesiastes and they ended up droshing some words to be referring to male and female demons. That's all you need. There's like, we could maybe do an episode about that, but I wanted to start at the beginning of the story. So all you need to know is we started out with saying that King Solomon had something to do with male and female demons. Okay, okay. And so we start out with, on Gitin 68a, why was it necessary for Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, to have male and female demons? The Gemara says, As it is written with regard to the building of the temple, for the house, when it was being built, was built of stone made ready at the quarry, and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was being built. First Kings 6-7. So Solomon said to the sages, How shall I make it so that the stone will be precisely cut without using iron? And they said to him, there's a creature called the Shamir that can cut the stones, which Moses brought and used to cut the stones of the ephod. Solomon said to them, where is it found? And they said to him, bring a male demon and a female demon and torment them together. And it is possible that they know where and due to their suffering, they will reveal the place to you. Okay. Yeah, we're starting off with some spicy shit. Okay, who said this to King Solomon? Who said just this? the sages, the just sages. his advisors who oh, were around. Okay. So we're going back to our old friend, the Shamir, okay, the magical okay. worm that can cut through stone that God created at the beginning of the world that, you know, needed to be used because the temple couldn't be built with stone that had been cut with iron. And what did you say Moses used the, the, the Shamir for? The ephor? Oh, the ephod. It's the like breastplate that goes on the high priest uniform that has a bunch of special gemstones yeah, on yeah. it. Okay. So the shamir was used to cut those gemstones to get them ready for the settings on the breastplate. Truly one of the most ridiculous getups of the high priest. I was going to say truly one of the most prolific like artist worms of the lifetime of the world. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, but anyway, okay, great. So we're going to torture some demons? That doesn't seem Exactly. Right. The sages said, get together a male demon and a female demon and fuck with them. And maybe if you mess with them enough, they will give up the location of the Shamir. So mm -hmm. Solomon, being the very cop-like guy that he is, does it. So Solomon brought a male demon and a female demon and tormented them together. And they said, we do not know where to find the Shamir. Perhaps Ashmedai, king of the demons, knows. Solomon said to them, where's Ashmedai? So already we're in a, if you give a mouse a cookie situation. And they said to him, he's on such and such a mountain. And he's dug a pit for himself there and filled it with water and covered it with a rock and sealed it with his seal. And every day he ascends to heaven and studies in the heavenly study hall. And then he descends to the earth and studies in the earthly Beit Midrash. And then he comes and checks his seal to ensure that nobody has entered his pit. And he uncovers it and drinks from the water in the pit 
and he covers it and seals it and goes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the lifestyle, the day-to-day of King Ashmedai yeah. is he goes up to heaven and studies in the Yeshiva Shalma'ala, and then he comes back to earth, studies in the Yeshiva Shalmata, and then he sips some water from his sealed pit. Yeah. And does it all over again. What, does he live in the watery pit, too? It seems like, no, he just comes and drinks the water. That's what I thought at first, is that he does come and drink the water, but it seems like not really. Okay, okay. Or he, it seemed, I thought he lived in the water at first, but it seems like he, the water is just like his dedicated water supply that he want. you know, he knows people are going to be coming after him because he's the king of the demons, so he needs to have, like, mm. protected sustenance still no explanation about why he had to torture a male and female yeah no explanation about that at all also demons can go to heaven that's a thing demons can go to heaven and study they come back to earth and study yeah okay they're interested in studying in the yeshiva and apparently not only is ashmedai interested in studying in the yeshiva his whole life is just back and forth between yeshivas and stopping for sips of water from his dedicated mountain pit. Okay, this reminds me of all the UFO sightings. They go into space, they go into the sky, they go underwater. Right, yeah, and people just used to say it must have been Ashmedai. Yeah. <laughs> there was an Ashmedai sighting today. That's where crop circles come from. It's, Ash- it's actually Ashmedai taking notes I from the like yeshiva. That. Okay, where could this possibly be headed, Hava? Oh my god, this is there's a lot to this story, and this is only the beginning of the wildness. And also just like such a fun fable. I feel like a lot of times stories in the Talmud aren't as clearly laid out to be fables as this. And this is just like cla- feels like I'm reading like a Hans Christian Andersen story, you know. It's like fucking Hansel and Gretel, Brothers Grimm shit. So Solomon sent for Benayahu, son of Yehoadiah a member of the royal entourage, and gave him a chain upon which the sacred name of Hashem was carved, and a ring on which the sacred name of Hashem was carved in fleeces of wool and wineskins of wine. So what did Benyahu do? He went and dug a pit lower down the mountain, below the pit dug by Ashmedai, and drained the water, and plugged oh. the pit with fleeces of wool so that Ashmedai's pit was emptied. And then he dug a pit higher up the mountain, and he poured the wine into it so that Ashmedai's pit was filled with wine. And he plugged the lower and upper pits that he dug, and he climbed up and sat in a tree. And when Ashmedai came and checked his seal and opened the pit, he found it to be filled with wine. Ashmedai said, it's written, wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by them is not wise, Proverbs 21. And it is written, harlotry, wine, and new wine take away the heart, Hosea 4.11. He concluded, I will not drink this wine. Eventually, however, When he became thirsty, he was unable to resist the wine, and he drank and became intoxicated and fell asleep. So to recap, Biniyahu performs an elaborate earthworks project. Okay, give me like the relationship between this guy and Solomon, though. He's Solomon's right-hand man. He's the, the Lancelot of the situation. Okay, Lancelot, got it. So he does this elaborate earthworks project to be able to drain the pit without breaking the seal. Yes, yes. Which seems pointless when you realize that the He's replacing the water with wine. It's not like Ashmedai doesn't notice that it's wine. Mm. So he knows someone tampered with it. So Mm. I don't know why it had to be a secret except for it to be more cool. 
Well, was it a secret? Why didn't he? Oh, maybe it's just he couldn't break the seal. Right. This is a way to get around the seal. I see that. Then Ashmanai comes and opens up his pit and he sees the wine and he's like, oh, well, the Torah says basically wine will fuck you up. So I won't have wine. Again, very wild conception of a demon to be like, well, the Torah said this, so I guess I'm going to stick to the Torah wisdom in this situation. (laughs) The demons are more holy than you or I, it would seem. Well, it's like they are a parallel entity that seems to be the same. Like, I don't know. It's very strange. That comes up a lot in this long saga. And so he's drunk on the wine and he's fallen asleep. So Biniyahu descended from the tree came and threw the chain around Ashmedai and enclosed him with it. And when Ashmedai awoke, he struggled to remove the chain. And Benyahu said, the name of your master is upon you. Do not tear the chain. Hashem's name is written on the chain and is forbidden to destroy it. So again, the way he's holding Ashmedai captive is because Ashmedai knows it's forbidden to destroy something that is containing Hashem's holy name. Whoa, that is a really interesting idea. I like that. I know. The first time I read this, I thought it was like, oh, it's just magical because Solomon like wrote it magically on there. Like he wrote the secret name of God that's full of God's magical power. But no, it's because Ashmedai is such a chassid that he would never break Hashem's name. This could be this could be like a political strategy. <laughs> to just bind things with like uh, the name of God, just like right. Yeah, right. Like of- instead of like um climbing up into a tree to prevent it from getting cut down or chaining yourself together, you could just like use a Torah scroll. Yeah, yeah. So Ashmadai is bound. And so Biniahu took Ashmadai and came to Jerusalem and he reached a palm tree and Ashmadai rubbed against it and knocked it down. And he reached the house and knocked it down. So basically, as Ashmedai is getting dragged along, basically, he's sort of lashing out and fucking up shit along the way. And so he reached a small shack belonging to a certain widow. And the widow emerged, and she begged him not to knock down the house. He bent his body away from her to the other side and broke one of his bones. And he said, this is as it is written, soft speech can break a bone. Proverbs twenty five fifteen. Oh, and our words broke their swords. La, exactly. La, la, la. That's so cute. So Ashmedai puts himself through a great personal pain in order to uh, protect the house of the widow. Again, this story is all about what a big chassid Ashmedai really is. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's just funny to imagine Ashmedai being sort of dragged along and sort of throwing a tantrum along the way. And the widow's like, don't put don't put me in this. This is very silly. Ashmedai saw a blind man who was lost on the road, and he brought him to the correct road. He saw a drunk who was lost on the road and brought him to the correct road. He saw the joy of a wedding celebration in which they were celebrating, and he cried. He heard a certain man say to a shoemaker, make me shoes that will last for seven years. And he laughed. And he saw a certain sorcerer performing magic, and he laughed. So Ashmedai, seeing the size of the world, having a lot of emotional reactions to them. Yeah, he's really amused by normal life stuff. It's like he doesn't get out a lot. Right, he's spent his whole time going up and down between the various yeshivas of the heavens and the earth. Right, right. Feels very like um, when Shimon Bar Yochai comes out of the cave and blasts everyone with his laser eyes. Oh, yeah. Because he just can't take it. I, that, that is one interpretation, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, because we're we're making mini sows while we work on our Temple OS story, that's where I want to end this tale for now is on a cliffhanger. Because there's more. Oh. 
there's more. There's lots more, actually. And I have it, but I want to cut this story into like fun, fun parts. And so I thought I'd, I'd stop there today. Yeah, I just loved, I loved bringing it because I love like what a what a good Jew Ashmedai is. I love his his lifestyle of dedication to study and just this whole very confusing like fable within a fable within a fable. It's like we started out with Solomon trying to build the temple and then it became Solomon torturing demons and then the demons were actually leading him to another demon and now actually we're in a story about Benayahu and Ashmedai. So like eventually we're going to climb out of these concentric rings of fables, but for now we're we're deep within the the Russian doll of myth. I like this kind of stuff. I like the sort of general ambivalence and sense of humor it seems the ancients had towards demons and Ashmedai in general. Mm-hmm. Maybe even towards like magical stuff in general. There's ambivalence, but also like respect for. I feel like a lot of people who are into crystals or astral projecting or whatever. It's often sold as either a net positive or like mm-hmm. a don't fuck with it at all. It's right. like bad and evil. And I do kind of like just sort of kind of this is complicated stuff. This is not good or bad. It's just you got to know what you're doing if you're going to engage at all. So I do like that aspect of it. Yeah, I've I've often felt like demon is sort of my least favorite translation for shade, the yes, kind of creature yes, that we're yes, talking about yes, here. I agree. Oftentimes, I've heard a couple people suggest they're more like fairies in like classical fairy stories where it's like fairies are sort of out there they're supernatural they're everywhere they might really fuck you up they might do something really cool for you they might steal your baby they might give you a like a pot of coal you just never fucking know it's gonna happen yeah yeah i think shadow fairies maybe might be the right yeah. term for it we're getting into some real emo shit now i'm just imagining like a shadow fairy sort of like clip art from my myspace demon is just so like visceral and like corporeal. i know and it's so yeah. christians have such a monopoly on what we think of when we hear the word demon yeah it's true it's true yeah, so that's what we're about on this show, is is undoing the stigma around demons and Judaism. I agree, I agree. Demons are cool. Don't be mean to demons. Well, I, don't be mean to Don't do the Solomon thing with the torture. That still doesn't make oh sense to me. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, Solomon's the worst. I still don't know where this, how this is all going to lead to Solomon getting the Shamir so he can build his temple. Oh my god. I'll just, <laughs> no spoilers, but it's fucking wild. Okay. Cool. It's like not, it's not what I, I thought Ashmedai was just eventually going to give it up, but there is like another several layers to the Russian doll oh my God. and several more mythical creatures that will be involved by the end. How many parts is this? Right now, at least two, but that's because I chose to stop it at two. There's like another several parts after that. So okay. we'll see right. if we want to keep going. Okay, okay. You know, cool. every day I just wake up and get some wild hair about what to say on this podcast, and well, I never know from moment to moment what's it going to be. I'm excited. This is wild to me. I love it. It's good. Whew. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it. Dear listeners, before I go, I want to tell you that we just opened registration at Shalmala for our August class. We're going to be doing this series of uh, Shiorium series of lectures called Fruit Camp. There's going to be three classes focused on building some really important practical Talmud skills. We're going to have a class on Talmudic logic. We're going to have a class on an introduction to Aramaic. 
and we're going to have a class on the the subtleties of navigating all the DOF and all the all the beautiful things you can find on the DOF. You definitely won't want to miss that if you want to up your Talmud skills. And I'll put a registration link in the description. And without further ado, we'll talk to you soon. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. 